Father, I want to praise you again for this privilege of being together in a virtual reality until we can be, be together in the real world. We thank you for your grace, the grace that has saved us from the penalty of our sins, the grace that continues to provide for our needs and for our protection, and in some cases even for our healing. We thank you and ask you again today for your grace. As we look into your word that you would give us the grace of learning and understanding and applying your word in ways that we may never have thought of before. And however you choose to answer this prayer, we offer you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the last message in our series called The Countercultural Call. It's been a long series. We've been looking at the Beatitudes that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 5. We've been considering them as Jesus' core values for the kingdom he was proclaiming as he went through Galilee telling the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. In Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is talking about that kingdom that he's bringing into the world. Calling today's message the discrimination investment. And as we start this message, I'm going to ask you to take just a second and think and answer this one question. Have you ever been discriminated against? Have you ever felt like something was asked of you that you couldn't give or that you were denied something that you deserved? I'm going to tell you a little bit today about the closest I ever came to that. I had applied for a job at the Kansas City, Missouri Fire Department. I was told that I didn't qualify because the department hadn't met its affirmative action goals. You see, the area that Kansas City Fire Department served was about 80% black, and the department did not yet have an 80% black workforce. Until that happened, they were obligated to hire black paramedics. For several reasons, that seemed ironic to me. First, I knew the people who had trained to be a paramedic in Missouri at the time. I knew a lot of them. I knew a lot about what had been going on in the training. And I knew that if they hired every black paramedic certified to work in the state of Missouri, they still wouldn't be at 80% workforce. It also seemed ironic to me that because the area had at one time been discriminatory against black black people, uh, now they were obligated to be discriminatory towards black people. And as I was thinking about these affirmative actions and the discrimination that had and was going on, I began to realize that this was not the only method that had been used to fight discrimination. Some of the ways that people fought discrimination at that time and still today arose from the critical theory movement that started early in the 20th century and gained momentum for the rest of that time. For those of you who don't know, critical theories are those theories that are critical of anything that would be considered traditional. In one of those iterations of critical theory, there is a call among neighborhood organizers 
to organize minority groups together in solidarity against those they perceive as privileged. Now, I picture this as being counterproductive for several reasons, not the least of which is that eventually one of those groups that are in solidarity are going to gain some benefits or prominence, and that group is going to become the new privileged. Whether they actually oppress others or not is not relevant. It's all about perception of having benefits. And so over time, everyone will be discriminate, discriminated against eventually. In democracies, this often happens because votes are secured by catering to the oppressed. And this leads to the desire to be oppressed, believe it or not. As resources get scarce, people associate with those who are prioritized to get those resources, especially the ones they desire. Resources like affirmative action for admission into college or preferential treatment for jobs or for resources like food stamps. So an important question becomes, which minority group do you associate with? And it seems like there's a minority group for everyone these days. There's Native Americans and African Americans, gays, lesbians, bisexuals, the poor are a special interest group. Belonging to one of these special interest groups has its benefits. Jesus suggests a different group. In our passage today, he's going to suggest that there might be another group that we could seek to be part of for benefits. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we talk about people who are being persecuted, we're not talking about just, just any form of persecution. Jesus is using a word that it very specifically means to be excluded. The word actually literally means to be pursued or to be chased away. It means to expel and sometimes can be used to accuse. But not just anyone, not just anyone who's being excluded or accused. In this case, it's those who are doing it for the sake of righteousness. And in this context, righteousness describes right conduct before God. It's, it has a more general use in secular Greek. They would use it for allotting what is due to someone, or giving someone what they, what they have a right to have. Sometimes that can be pleasant, and sometimes that can be unpleasant. So we're not talking about a righteousness that involves salvation here. We're talking about more a righteousness of lifestyle. Uh, the same root word applies in both cases, but usually uh, it's structured a little bit differently and is often translated when it's talking about salvation with the English word justification. Justification meaning to be acquitted from your sins or to be have it declared that your sins have no punishment, that this punishment has already been paid. In this case, it's righteousness that grows from that in a lifestyle. 
And as Jesus gave this beatitude on the mountain, he was speaking to a group of people, namely the Jews, who were very well aware of persecution. It was part of their history. It went all the way back to as far as Pharaoh. You remember the story in the book of Exodus. Pharaoh was oppressing the people. He had not. He became a Pharaoh and did not remember the good things that Joseph had done for the people of Egypt. And the Israelites were multiplying, and Pharaoh was frightened of them. He's afraid that they would have more power than he did, so he began to oppress them and beat them and put them to hard labor, trying to decrease their numbers. Unfortunately, the Jews were hardy people, and they began to become more numerous. And so they began to be oppressed even more and more to the point where Pharaoh gave an order that all baby boys born to the Jews were to be thrown into the Nile. God eventually liberated the people after several confrontations with Moses and the ten plagues. You can see the book of Exodus for details. Now, these first century Jews knew that persecution was one way. God demonstrated his disapproval. He would, was disapproving of Pharaoh. Several times in Jewish history in the promised land, they were oppressed and persecuted because they did not follow him and he disapproved their way of life. So they worked very hard to stay right with God and to avoid that type of persecution. Jesus said in his new kingdom, persecution would be worth it. He said this because theirs would be the kingdom of heaven. We frequently think of kingdoms in our day and age as geographical areas. A king rules over a particular territory. But in Jesus' day, it meant establishing God's rule over the hearts and lives of his people. So Jesus was saying to the people on the, on the mountain, persecution makes one fit for his kingdom. Being persecuted for righteousness shows where you're investing your life. Because it's easy, especially in a secular society, to avoid persecution. All we have to do is just fit in. Obviously, if we're being persecuted for something the secular world approves of doing or disapproves of doing, then we're not trying to just fit in. But there are some situations where we shouldn't fit in. You might think of the past, recent, recent past in our culture and in our society. Abortion was in the news when Hobby Lobby was fighting all the way to the Supreme Court in order to avoid supporting abortion during the uh, first days of our new health care laws. Presently, most people experience persecution in the form of peer pressure. Now, how many of us have avoiding bowing our heads in a public restaurant and thanking God for our food because we were afraid people would look at us funny. Sometimes we get criticized for our recreational activities or rather the activities that we choose not to participate in. Sometimes people associate partying with using foreign substances. And we as believers in Jesus Christ committed to taking better care of our bodies than that. Recently, I've been uh, criticized uh, 
for not utilizing some pain relief that's available on the market today. Uh, someone told me that since I have pain in my shoulders on occasion, I ought to go to the CBD dispensary and get something for my pain. And I choose not to do that in order to let Jesus work in my life. Some of us are facing what we fear might be a potential persecution that might be coming up. Right now, we're asking our question, will we be allowed ever to return to public worship? Sometimes these issues might not feel worth being uncomfortable for. But Jesus says it'll all be worth it. Some continue to live, so continue to live your life according to righteousness. A God-defined righteousness. A righteousness that gives everyone their due. And you can know that from Jesus' words, that when you live that way, the angels will rejoice and God will smile when you arrive in his kingdom. And that's the way we turn persecution into an investment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Beatitudes and the privilege of studying them. We thank you for the promises that are in them and the hope that they give. We thank you for the promise of your kingdom and that it is still coming. We thank you for the rewards that are promised there and we look forward to them. We look forward to the fulfillment of the redemption that Jesus Christ began. And we confess, sometimes we bend more to peer pressure than righteousness would demand. And sometimes we overlook those who face more severe persecution than we do and ignore them. We ask you to strengthen those who are under heavy persecution today and to help them remember the promised rewards. Help us remember that we will be rewarded for the way we invest the persecution that you've entrusted us with. And thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.